this film generally is really underseen by a lot of people maybe i could be wrong i agree i think it's underrated it's underseen and it's just so much fun it's fun it's a really fun movie it has a really great i guess i'm stressing the fact that like oh an actual full story with full characters that has a beginning middle and end because a lot of what's been released recently does not have a beginning, middle, and end. And if it does, it doesn't feel very satisfying. So. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it, it's true. Like, there's a mythology. There's a, you know, we know what's happening. We know who the players are. And, uh, it, you know, there's a resolution, which is, yeah, you don't get that that often <laughs> these days. Yeah, the, the, the story feels, every everything kind of feels natural, um, delivered by the characters. They're, they're introduced in a way that you could totally buy and understand what's going on. The whole, it's all, all of it comes together very, very well. And that is Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, directed by Ernest Dickerson. What is this, 1995? Yeah, 1995. Yeah. yeah. So, do you know how he got the job? Because I don't remember. Uh, I get the. Ch- I think he was after. Didn't he film something? The the one that the film that's called the game. Um, oh my surviving gosh. the game. Surviving the game, and then I think they just approached him with this this the spec spec script, as he said, <laughs> as he called it. Yeah, and um, yeah, he just thought, oh, this sounds like a lot of fun. So, and yeah. then yeah, Cameron Diaz was supposed to originally be Geraldine. Oh really? Okay, that I didn't know. Wow. Yeah, I I believe that I I believe that's the actress who was supposed to originally play that role. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So, um, what is this? Demon Knight comes right after Bordello of Blood, correct? Oh, it's uh, this is before Bordello of Blood, apparently. Because really, oh you're yeah, right. because yeah, because um, I have the I mean the the DVD. I was listening to the commentary, and um. He said that in order to tie Demon Knight to Bordello of Blood, they had the key at the beginning of um, right. Bordello of Blood. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't remember that. But it was just that little thing he said they wanted to tie. And I think this was the first Tales from the Crypt movie, too. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, they came out swinging then, for sure. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of a hard uh, hard act to follow, right? Because it's just mm-hmm. it's so good. All the characters are fun, and they're great, and they all have their personalities and you all know who they are without having to kind of excavate too much yeah so yeah yeah Yeah. and it does have it does have funny moments in it as well you're absolutely right it's this this is just um all around uh a really uh great movie just all around i get i i know i sound really simplistic when i say that but it's true sometimes things are just simple (laughs) when Mm. even it with in the layers of those things like 
Demon Knight is a very simple story, but I feel like it has so many layers. And it's been a, fa- a fascinating one for me for a very long time. Um, it, it was my pick for Halloween. I wanted to, you know, of course, in the spirit of Halloween, I feel more in the spirit than I have in a, quite a few years. So this is nice for me. Um, this film has also kind of just stuck with me as well because, you know, we'll get into it because of Jada Pinkett's role in it. Uh, I didn't think that she was, I don't know, I, I never go into, I'm not, I've never been the black person to go into horror films with any kind of expectations of the mortality of black characters if they do exist in those. I think that is because I grew up watching them, like horror, horror has always been a part of my life in some capacity. No, my mother was not a horror fan necessarily, but like she would watch horror movies and enjoy them you know so they were always around I was always around thriller I was always you know my mom just loved movies her friends just loved movies uh you know my father's my I'm sorry my brother's dad loved movies so we had they were there and so with horror specifically I was just latching on to I was always about story for me it was always about the characters and you know and so, and even when I saw black characters, it was just, I'm just that, which made me happy to see people who look like me. But I think Dickerson fast forward to what he did with Demon Knight. It just, it was almost like, I didn't believe what I was watching. Um, because what we're not used to is seeing us be not only survivors, but victorious and seeing us as the last people standing like literally the last person standing in this particular narrative, not literally, but you know what I mean, as far as the core cast. Mm -hmm. So that was really fascinating. And that stuck with me. And the more I got to like read about horror and the leading scholars in it, I kind of found my own little theory and that of myself, but we'll get into that a little bit. Um, Let's start. Let's, let's talk about, you know, your engagement with this film initially and throughout history well yeah i you know i just was trying to remember i don't think i got to see it in the theaters because i was really sick in my 20s so um i don't think i was out in the theater i'm pretty sure that i just rented it i just got it from the video rental store and i was like oh my god because i i like tales from the crypt i like the show um it was kind of cheesy you know I love like the anthology horrors and that Crypt Keeper was just gross out and cheesy. And um, so when I saw the movie, I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. And then, yeah, when I saw Jada Pinkett in it and um, like be like a final girl, which I had no concept of when obviously when the film came out, I just had no concept of it. I just love horror. So just to see her and also Billy Zane was a draw for me because I still oh, love yeah. him. I still love him. I don't care. <laughs> I love Billy Zane. He's so cheesy. Uh handsome and cheesy at the same time. That's he is I very just, handsome. Oh, he's so pretty. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just love him. He just he doesn't care. He did look, he's forever my magic man. I actually bought that movie for like two dollars, I think. <laughs> at uh walmart or something it's like the worst movie but i don't care it's billy zane anyway yeah i think he was a big draw for me too and and i think wasn't she was she in uh, a different world by then yeah that was this was post different world for sure post, yeah yeah so, world got canceled or ended 
in 93. Oh, okay. So, yeah. And then, you know, seeing her after watching the series, I watched that show, like, obsessively because, you know, representation. (laughs) Seeing us going to college and have, like, trials and tribulations like normal people. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, I just thought it was, I was really, it was, it's just a fun watch. I still remember enjoying it just for like the the monsters, because I love me a monster and the demons and stuff like that. It's just fun, you know? Yeah, it's all of those things. Um, So just to get us started, again, released in 1995, uh, it's directed by Ernest R. Dickerson. He's a well-known cinematographer, also um, directed Bones. He's He's directed episodes of The Walking Dead. He's worked with Spike Lee as a DP, I believe, on um, many of his films, including We the Right Thing. Um, I believe as a, as a Howard University graduate, all, he's just, you know, I think his first film as a DP was um, The Brother from Another Planet. Like, he's prolific and very, very, like, not, he he, he does not get uh, the, the recognition I think he deserves. He's, I think he's well respected, but as far as recognition and opportunities, nowhere near your your carpenters or any or any of those guys. And he should be, mm-hmm. um, for sure. I think, especially being I like I'm all I've always been fascinated with her photography. I love candid. Um, I love candid photography. It's something I want to get back into again. I did it a lot in my twenties, and I want to do it more. So just him, just being a photographer and know and knowing how to shoot and knowing how to light is just it's so fascinating to me. I love it. Yeah, and so. he just—he seems like a nice guy too. You've met him, right? Yeah, very soft, very soft-spoken, mm-hmm. very patient. Like I, I got to tell him, "Juice is one of my favorite movies." He was like, "Oh, yeah. thank you!" Like he just—he just said it just like that, just very, just very nonchalantly. Yeah, he's so not full out. of himself. He just doesn't seem full of himself. I've watched several, like, um, uh, interviews with him and just listened to him talk. And he's just this chill dude, you know, and I, I really like that, but his energy is just very like chill. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very chill. And he, I thought he brought some fun stuff to horror noir talking about um, the shining and talking about demon Knight in and of itself. Like when he talked about like how Jada cut her hair before the, I think that before they started filming, he was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> those kind of stories are fun to me. Like, because I was curious. I don't know. Because that's one of those things where I would go down a rabbit hole, and I'm just like, well, can if if you needed a if she, if she needed a wig, couldn't you just get her a wig? You like, you know what I mean? If it was that deep, you know? Yeah. Because um, I feel like if if a woman cuts her hair, it makes her more vers- versatile. Hmm. Yeah. Interestingly it's, enough. So. Yeah. Because um, Arian Roach, who played I believe Charlotte in Knives and Skin, she has locks. Mm-hmm. And she literally just recently, um, not too long ago on Twitter, was talking about how she was worried about acting and about how her locks would, like, not be, quote unquote, versatile for the business. But, you know, and she talked about how, you know, she's been able to defeat those odds a little bit, you know, especially, I guess, with the role she that she wants to take and has been taking mm. um, and has found a stylist that um, she worked, who's working with her hair. And just feeling a little bit more confident as a black woman in the business with natural hair who looks like she refuses to cut her locks, then that's great. So that's the thing about hair with this business I'm most curious about, especially for us. Listen, (laughs) I have had my own experiences, like even in my 20s, like just going to get a haircut 
do you do you cut black hair? Yes, yes. I'm not talking about the color of my hair. I'm talking about the texture of my hair. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, it's it's a lot because you know. Um, again, I'll bring up that documentary subjects of desire uh, by its Canadian producer um, Jennifer Holness, and she's just talking about black women and beauty and how you know to this day people aren't prepared to you know have black talent like makeup for black people hair for black black people on on set a lot of the times people have to do their own hair so yeah so that whole hair thing with uh, jada it's interesting but I, I i'm glad he worked with it yeah i'm glad i'm glad she was again th those optics are, are very very important i think people are recognizing that um even more so now than they used to that like you know this is this, this tiny black woman with this short blonde, like kind of like kind of natural. I don't know if she was processed, but it was still like short and mm -hmm. kind of had a wave to it. But um, interesting enough, interesting that you say that. Like I, I, I don't, I'm not letting anyone who's not black touch my hair. I never have, never will. <laughs> my mother was the first person to touch my hair. My second cousin was the other person who touched me, who who's who did my hair when I was a kid. And now I, when I go to braiding salons or natural hair salons, it's always black women, usually Nigerian or Caribbean <laughs> women mm -hmm. doing my hair. Uh, and also makeup too. When I've um, had to do things where you, where some of you listening may or may not have seen me on screen, I have always made sure that the person who's doing my makeup when asked, I'm really grateful that they asked me about like, you know, do you have any suggestions for us as a production company? Mm -hmm. Yes, please hire this freelance black woman to do my makeup. Mm -hmm. Somebody who knows how to deal because my skin is incredibly sensitive. So somebody who knows how to deal with oily skin and acne prone skin and things like that are really important mm -hmm. to me. So yeah, uh, so all of those things are very, very important. And I think Ernest, I don't know how much he had to deal with like production, but I do think his voice was significant enough. Even though the writers were Ethan Reff, Cyrus Boris, and Mark Bishop, he still, I think a lot of his input is seen in this film as well, from what I could tell. Yeah, because um, there's also a commentary on the DVD with the special effects people. Um, and uh, they were saying that because he was he's a cinematographer and because he he's just I, I find that um dickerson's got his hand in everything and i think that's really cool because they said that he was able to speak a shorthand with the special effects because he knew exactly what he wanted and because of his kind of knowledge of film he would say it's like this movie or like that movie i want like it this and they understood each other and that that to me shows that not only his his skill and his talent, but his love for film. I think that's really important. Oh my God. This man really loves film. I love it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's important. That's really important. And I think even working with the actors. So we got Billy Zane as the collector. We got William Sadler as breaker. We all know William Sadler is great. He's going to like his, just his role in the mist. Like that took yeah. me out. And he had yeah. that minor role, and I'm just like, oh snap! Yeah, this man is, means business, and he's also, and he also has some really nice things to say about horror noir. I come, I, somebody told me, and I thought that was really great. Oh, <laughs> he seemed really cool. like, a, yeah, nice. Yeah, I thought that was nice. Um, John Cashier, of course, is the John Casser Cashier is the keeper. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loves him in that voice, and yeah. of course, Jada Pink. I always because uh, um, I don't 
I know I, I know people are really like, why do you hate on Will Smith? I don't like Will Smith. I don't like Will Smith. I don't like Will Smith. I'm gonna say it again. I don't like Will Smith. <laughs> to the almost to the point where I don't like saying Jada Pinkett Smith. I just want to say Jada Pinkett. Yeah. But let me be respectful and say Jada Pinkett Smith. It's Geraldine. She was great in it. Um, now we'll probably do this because it's one of my favorite movies. But my favorite role that Jada did was Peaches and A Low Down Dirty Shame, a little movie. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. Filmed by Keenan Ivory Waynes. Right. Oh my God, that's a blast I, from the past. Yeah, I know every single line from <laughs> that she says in that movie. Yeah, let me talk to the big black man with the gun. Like I know every single line. I love that movie. Uh, but like, I really, but you, what, I love what you said about the depth of some characters. Even though, like, we don't like they have a short run, but at, but even in the film, like they had they they're working with what they have and they're really bringing a lot to it. So Cordelia played by Brenda Bach, like that's one example of what you just said, Mm -hmm. because like, she's this, like, I guess she's a prostitute. Yeah. I guess you can call her that. Sex worker. Sex worker. Thank you. Better term. But the fact that like, you know, especially, and and I love Billy Zane's character as a collector because you're going by, you're going by the typical mythos, but it's still a good, it's still, it's still meat to work with, like a, a otherworldly, call him a demon, um, figure that preys on the the insecurities of human beings mm-hmm. to manipulate them. And I think Cordelia has, you know, has had that had that typical layer, had this accessible kind of layers to her, where, um, and the way, and mostly in the way she portrayed them. Like she seems like a really nice woman, um, but is really starved for love. I don't think that's why she's a sex worker. I'm not going to say that. That's not. I don't mm-hmm. think that's true at all. I think she's doing her. I think she's doing her thing. Mm. But that. But that doesn't mean that she's still a woman that doesn't desire true intimacy. Uh, you know that other component of intimacy that I think is important for us as people in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because she, she finds kind of that sweetness with. Um, this is his name Charlie, the Wally. Wally, sorry, but she finds that sweetness with Wally, right? And then she finds the physical. I mean, the physical thing is her job, so you know she may or may not enjoy that, um, but you know she does find that sweetness with Wally. So it's just really interesting how she can kind of separate it or has to. And maybe that's why she wasn't so like quick to like have sex with Wally. Maybe it was a different relationship. You're right, because she was because mm. she's all about getting it in with Roach. Mm-hmm. He should have. I hope he paid her. I'm assuming that's what the, what their arrangement is. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. funny. Funny that his name is Roach. Yes, it's very funny. <laughs> very, it's very on point. Yep. Um, but yeah, maybe. And know she. I know she like made a passing comment about giving Wally a freebie, but. Mm. At the same time, it was like that really was about him and not about her. Mm-hmm. Like she was doing it, uh, like the freebie seemed like out of like you know, friendship maybe or whatever kind of relationship those two had. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But isn't but these dynamics are really like fascinating for this story. It's an interesting setup for what happens. Um, why? Yeah, because Wally kind of loses. Um, we lose Wally because of his, you know, his sensitivity. And vulnerability towards Cordelia. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I think all of these kind of dynamics are fascinating. Um, even like 
you know, Irene played by CCH Pounder. Do you know what CCH stands for? Because I'm pretty sure, because I feel she's from, she's African, right? Like she's from an African country. I don't, I don't know. I thought that one of the C's was Charmaine. I thought so. I thought I saw that. Oh, you know what? I think you're right. I think you're totally right about that. Let me see, because I know that, uh, uh, no, (laughs) it's Carol Christine Hilaria Pounder. Oh, she's Guyanese. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she is Guyanese, but her name, she just shortened her name for probably the business. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Carol Pounder? Christine Pounder? Carol Christine Hilaria. Yeah. Mm. That's interesting. Curious. Yeah. So I I, I was, I I never, because I've read about CCH Pounder a gazillion times before, and I always forget what her name. Yeah. I always forget her name. But yeah, she has a very um, Americanized name, I guess, for lack of a better term. I don't know. Well, it's funny because uh, well, they they said that she's born in Georgetown, British Guyana. Um, so I mean, there's a lot of very um. Oh, she was educated in England, so they're very British oriented family from the Caribbean. But that's like the whole thing because I think the like the school system in the, the Caribbean is um based on the British school system. So oh, you know. that makes sense. So uh, CCH Pounder as Irene is this like, um, you know, she, she runs the hotel or motel, motel, motel. I'm calling it motel. <laughs> um, but I, I loved her character. I loved, um, I always liked the dynamic with her and Geraldine more specifically. Uh, she seems like a lifer, her, her, um, her character. She's been in that Wormwood, New Mexico been in that town for probably her entire life and she's been kind of like she plays that overlook she plays that overlook character or that overseer that's the right term just somebody who's observant who's no nonsense but I like the way she plays it cool enough where it doesn't seem like a stereotype if that makes any sense mm-hmm she yeah, she's very natural and matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like kind of rough around the edges, but like not like she doesn't play a mammy character in that sense. Like no. she's okay, so they, she keeps an eye on Geraldine and and you know, she wants her. I'm sure I feel like maybe Irene's had a life, you know, maybe similar to Geraldine's, and she wants Geraldine to not go through what she went through. Maybe that's maybe that's why she's keeping an eye on her, you know. Yeah, she just, she, I like she said she lived a life. She's, she feels like someone who's lived several lifetimes. Um, probably, we don't know her sexual orientation, husband, partner, not around anymore. Maybe she left, like, there's so, there's so much meat probably in between her life before this incident, or this night that happens and um, prior. But yeah, I, as far as it, her, the dynamic between her and Geraldine, I love, so my whole, so um, most people, some people who may be listening to this know that I've kind of developed this kind of concept or idea of what a black frontal girl is. I, it's more than just being the black girl at the end of a horror movie, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's some similarities. There's, there's, there's the DNA of Carol Clover, but there's also the DNA of Dr. Robin Dean Coleman's um, concept of an enduring woman, you know, in, in horror films, the black woman in horror films who is you know wrestling with just more than just you know 
killing a killing a monster and surviving but it's really about what does that mean what does her survival mean but even what does like her killing whatever like what is this the the symbol the, the, the symbolism of killing the monster so to speak it's about it's about taking care of the black community it's um it's about this woman having her own desires whether that be sexual or otherwise or both it's 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 there's much more weight to this because you know whether we like it or not there's a certain level whether you accept it or not even there's a separate there's a, a certain level um if you are part of an oppressed group by your identity in society where there's a certain level of responsibility that you that you may see to have um being communal with um people who look like you for that survival and our parents did that and our grandparents did that to an even larger extent you know, because the stakes may have seemed or were higher um, before we were even born. We probably wouldn't, some of us probably wouldn't be here if those survival mechanisms and techniques and community wasn't already intact or being developed. And I feel like as far as even Black, when I talk about Black feminism, because um, I think it's a, it's a very rich um, theoretical framework um, a lot of it is about experience, about you know us as Black women and our experiences, which lends itself to those feminist ideals. It's about bringing those to light politically and socially, hoping to like let's find some ways to dismantle them, even if we have to do it with each other. And I think even if we're looking at Geraldine as somebody who was a part of the prison industrial complex and has come out of that, you know how you know the cycle of like prison they want you to go back they want to make it difficult for you in society once you're in the system to really come out of it and so if Irene in a sense is taking on Geraldine and can act as some sort of haven and get her on a track where she can become self-sufficient then that then she's kind of then that it kind of plays a role and I think in kind of those kind of black feminist ideals of taking of us taking care of each other as black people and as black women and I think that's what she's doing for Geraldine like she keeps harping on her because she knows how harsh the world the world is going to be to her even further along I think Geraldine is very smart and inept to that especially as someone who went to prison and we don't know her full backstory we don't need to but as someone who was a thief mm-hmm Again, tied to the broader story of, of what she becomes later on in the film. So all of these things I feel like are kind of coming into play. And they were really fascinating to me when I was like doing the research. I'm like, oh, their relationship, even though, again, we don't need everything vomited to us. But like you can do that. That's why I love about films like this. It's just like they give us just enough to kind of like you're, you're, you're filling in the blanks. and You're kind of like playing that game of, pick, of picking and prodding and seeing oh, maybe this is what their relationship really means on the surface and even even beneath the surface. So I don't know how, what your thoughts on that, but. Oh, I, yeah, I really, I like that too, because, you know, um, and what you were saying that uh, it used to be the hotel or motel it used to be a church. And now it's like a kind of a place where across roads where people are all meeting from all different walks of life. And I feel like um, Irene is, really kind of the as you were saying like the overseer or the not the den mother the owner the owner oh god but like just kind of like she's like the caretaker i feel you know in a way yeah where you know like for instance she's got um the sex worker she's you know she's like oh you know like she she doesn't really judge her 
she's like yeah. oh you know you know jerry line get her sheets get you know like she she kind of is taking it all in stride she's got um the old drunk you know she's got like yeah, uncle um willie. uncle yeah uncle willie and then she's got um uh, the w- william sadler's character coming in and everybody is kind of all they're from different like i said different walks of life and but they all kind of find a safety there you know mm-hmm. they all kind of gather yeah. there so i think that's really interesting and i think that what you're talking about as well like there's like a, a sense of sacrifice but not for not for the typical reasons that you see in horror films especially with black people like there's it's not that kind of token sacrifice no not at all i just think that you know for instance irene yeah irene goes down fighting and like they just um it's just like a different vibe to it and i really think that um Ernest Dickerson had a, 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 a hand in that. I agree. I, I, I want to argue that her sacrifice was bigger. That's why it's really important that Geraldine was not Carmen Diaz, man. Oh my goodness. This is yes. why so important. Because it was her and Gary Farmer, who we know is indigenous, mm-hmm. um, who played Deputy, Deputy Bob, who was amazing. He was great at it. Yeah. He was so great. <laughs> He's Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's Canadian too. Yeah. You 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 hit me to the fact that he's indigenous. I didn't know that. I'm like, oh yeah. snap, that's dope. Um, so these two characters of color like sacrifice themselves, but I think they do it for a not I don't want to say greater good. That's not what I'm trying to say. I like I like what you just said about that. Yeah. No, I totally get yeah, it's just it doesn't seem like it's uh yeah, like a token sacrifice. It's like you know they're doing it because, and they're they know what they're doing. They're mm-hmm. not doing it because of um, oh well, it's what I should do. They're like, I'm gonna kick your ass, demon. You know, <laughs> I'm going down. I'm gonna kick your ass. So, yeah, it, I think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I mean when I talk about like, especially because they're 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 uh, um they're in the group of the old older characters and the other ones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I think I just feel like Irene because she loses her arm when they when Cordelia gets possessed, and they have to you know so there's just so and even like yeah because even when she's tries to even when she's seduced by the collector or tries to be, he offers her her arm back and then she <laughs> that fun line where she like lifts her um her arm and he says is that a yes and she's like no and she's like that's me giving you the finger asshole like yeah. like it, it, that was a fun that was a fun delivery but like again she just very much like Geraldine girl that's so okay I just made a connection mm-hmm. her and her and Geraldine were the only two who really were able to fight fight um the collector off yes like, who did not give in now Geraldine's younger so she 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 again with the, the beautiful direction of Ernest, she and her and her acting, you know, she you could see it in her face. She was like, "This, I love everything that's going on right now. Like, this is exactly what I want." But she never gave in. Mm-hmm. She never gave in. And I and Irene just straight didn't give in. And remember when Get Out first came out and people were like having, of course, everyone was talking about it in the analysis of Betty Gabriel's character. Yes, and how. Like she seemed as the one who unfortunately went under this experiment, her whatever consciousness that was inside of her prior, who who she really was, was constantly was very noticeably fighting a whole hell of a lot more than the men were. Mm-hmm. 
and how people tried if people tie that into like black women you know not as a whole but you know what i mean how, how like her character is interesting how jordan peele made her character probably the strongest who was trying to fight their way out of quote the sunken place and all that and i'm just like is that is that the is that what black women are doing in these horror films? Are we the most resistant? And like that makes me think of like Bell Hooks's idea of the oppositional gaze as resistance. Yes. yes. And oh my God, we're 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 doing something here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I I 100% agree with everything you said. Yeah, because um, you know, it's always it's always funny that whenever we speak up as black women or whatever we fight back oh you have attitude or whatever and Mm -hmm. you know it yeah like that whole betty gabriel as oh that scene where she's just saying you know no 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 no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like everything it's everything because it's everything we experience you know Mm -hmm. and you're resisting yet you're smiling and that whole thing Mm. And I love that Jerry Line and Irene, they're not, they're resisting and they're expressing themselves. They, they're not, they're not holding back. I think that's what I love about the, those two characters. Yes, exactly. So that, that's, that, that's what makes, that's what, again, that's why I don't, I, I've never seen it. You know, somebody could like have a totally different reading of Irene um, when she puts the grenades on her. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But, like, I think for us, for me specifically, I can't speak for you, but, like, for me, I think that it it, it speaks to exactly what we were just kind of referring to. She was taking matters into her own hands, and it was just, and she wasn't sacrificing herself for just some rando white folks. This is, this is a community, this is a people, and also she really values Geraldine. Mm-hmm. in a way that we don't see because it seems on the surface she has this tough and hard exterior but no she's still a human being and i think we saw a lot of that in the film again without it being with it, again this is a visual medium and to just kind of show us the expression of who she is is, is just as is, is enough mm-hmm. so and i think that's what happens with um, her particular character um so to go back, we're, we're a little all over the place, but this is definitely a show for people who have seen this movie. But basically, Demon Knight is about um, it's about a man on the run who is hunted by a demon known as the Collector. And that man is uh, William Breaker. I think his name is William Breaker in the movie. I, think, I just it, want to say Breaker. Breaker. Let's say Breaker. I think it's Frank. Frank Breaker. Is it Frank? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's Frank Breaker. My bad. I, I know his... the actor's name is William Sadler but I thought it was yes. William Breaker too maybe but it's Frank Breaker and you know that's the name he's going by but he is running from the collector come to find out because of this a very Christian mythos I think um mm-hmm. he he was you know during World War One, I, I believe was it World War One or another war yeah I think so it yeah seemed, yeah he was a soldier and but a part of a part of the war that he was a part of, it seemed like he was fighting um, demons. God created the heavens and the earth. You're talking Genesis. That beginning? The earth was a formless void. And darkness covered the face of the deep. But the darkness wasn't empty. It was full of creatures. Full of beings. 
after they have seven teeth formed into a circle. I focus the power of the cosmos into their hands. So God steps forth and said, let there be light. And the world rises. Scatter the demons. And scatter the keys. All across the universe. And we fast forward about two or three million millennia. Now the demons are back. They got six of the keys. And one day they find the seventh key here on earth. Now to save it, God showed it with the blood of a carpenter who was being crucified by the Romans and gave it to a thief named Sirach. The blood is... is that... is that... Some of it, yeah. It gets used, you see. Sirach had to refill it. Bad neck wound. Talon. Caught the artery here. Most of what's in here now belonged to a soldier named Dickerson. Gave it to me in France, August 23rd, 1917. Funny how you remember the big dates, isn't it? Jeez, that uh, <clears throat> would make you... Uh... What happens when you run out of blood? They bring back the darkness. Just like that. basically um before god said let there be light there was darkness and in the darkness there were demons who ruled the earth and there were keys that kind of like you know kept them hidden or in the darkness above you know not in the realm or the world of the of humans which god created and keys were scattered throughout the universe and one key is on the earth and the key on the earth is protected by a demon knight with the with the KN who for for that person's entire lifetime is supposed to keep that key away from any demon who's taken on the form of a human in order to keep the darkness at bay to stop the world from be to stop the earth from becoming the dark or the universe to becoming the darkness again and mm-hmm. where that means kind of human extinction so that's kind of my like long-winded way of kind of like telling the story and so breaker is not he's a man who's lived several lifetimes again coming back to that term as well like irene seems like she has figured it figuratively lived them but breaker has lived them literally and so that's a part of like that the whole passing on and the keys um tattooed on or kind of not tattooed, but like keys um, imprinted on the palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, a, a friendly colleague, um, Samika Spratley, I believe, who is another makeup artist, uh, she I believe has the has the tattoo has the tattoo of the keys on her on one of her on one of the palms of her hands, I believe. And I was just like, that is so cool. When I saw it, I think she showed it to me um, online once. But yeah, I think that's really neat. So that's what happens to you when you have like the the transfer process of the whole of you becoming a demon knight if some if a person because you don't you're not immortal but you do live longer than most people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summing up of it. And yeah, I 
it's such a great story you know it's just a, a great story and i love the fact that um Sumika has her that tattoo because that's a pretty cool tattoo to have <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, that's so it's so creative like yeah. to think about it i don't know i just i just love this it's just i can't get over how simple that story is because it's it's just, it's simple and it's great and the way they tell it it's just so well done yeah, it's it's it, it and and William Sandler he again he like he crushes it like he's like you know, he's like he's like I didn't ask for this but this is but I, I'm taking I've taken on the role, and symbolically even when it's passed on to Jada uh, or Geraldine I should say, it's it's it's, it's interesting again because we have that complex narrative of black women saving everyone, again mm-hmm. and again and again. Um, why why it works in this film? I guess we we can talk through that. I don't know. It just does for me. Yeah, it's true because Irene is kind of a safe haven. Her hotel is a safe haven, and then within that safe haven is this little, you know, plucky savior girl who doesn't know she's a savior, and she kind of takes on that task. Uh, yeah, it's just it's quite deep for such a you know, schlocky, fun horror film with tons of special effects, you know, and, and practical effects. It's kind of, it's it makes kind of your head explode when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, because it's not, because maybe, because again, we're thinking about it in the context of 2021 now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so much in, in the broader uh, world has been, is being more addressed, maybe because the, there are more voices out there via social media to kind of latch on to but yeah i mean her taking on the task of being a demon knight um just by yeah 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 by optics alone could be exhausting for some people like why is you know again a black woman again tasked to save the world but at the same time but again we're both older we've said this a bazillion times on here it's just like we're at the point in life where you kind of just if you're in a by gender and race like listen life ain't fair when has life ever been fair (laughs) when have things ever been sane and just and sound and i'm at a point in my life where i'm tired too where i'm just like yeah i don't think things are going to change and this is the way things are and i don't think it's some magical task i don't i don't think it's necessarily our responsibility but maybe to an extent maybe it's this is just the way things are because maybe there's i don't know I was I was um, I I'm trying to not go down the black girl magic rabbit hole because that's not yeah. what this is really about, but it is, but it isn't. Yeah. Um, oh, it's just interesting that the two black women are the ones that are kind of the most um, practical and versatile and savvy and smart. You know, I don't know. It just. I mean, I'm not saying it's us, black women, but it's black women. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just like, this is who we are. We, we are survivors. And I think maybe that's the bigger, that's always been the bigger story to me is that Geraldine is a survivor. Mm-hmm. And she's also similar to, because Breaker mentions, um, I think the first demonite or one of the first demonites was maybe at the cross where Jesus was crucified and he was a thief. Mm-hmm. 
and she's a thief. So I saw, so I also made that connection too. But yeah, she's she's a Geraldine has seemed like somebody who's always been on her own, more or less, and she is a survivor. And maybe it's about just that those mechanisms. And again, we can, when I talk about the enduring woman, maybe the collector does represent that that you know institutional oppression for mm-hmm. people of color for women or under or other non-men identified gendered peoples like you know I just those those are kind of things I kind of think about because this is um one of those films and I think I maybe have said this on here before but it takes me it's really hard to have like a hot take on things I'm not a hot take um film person I am a let me marinate on this for a few years <laughs> kind of a person where like really fascinating ideas and concepts kind of come out because things need to germinate in my brain. I, I wish I was quicker on my feet. I'm not. Um, so that's just kind of how my, um, my brain works. And this is a film that I've been, again, has really brought these ideas up to me, but I also think two things could be true at the same time. Again, um, mm-hmm. people can look at her task as more of a burden than a triumph. That, I think that's mm-hmm. true as well, mm-hmm. but I definitely see the complicated narrative within that as well. I think it, I could be, I think it could be all of those things wrapped into one, and I think both are really important and very telling because I think as people we are complicated, and I think that's why which I think that's why it's one of the reasons why this movie is so fantastic. You know, you brought up a really good um, point about uh, the collector being kind of like uh basically a representation of like society and white patriarchal society because he does this the thing with the two like with Geraldine and Cordelia the sex worker he does this thing where he tries to seduce them and oh you know like to Geraldine oh you know you're so pretty and yes. you should be going around the world and this is like so this is just an aside here but you know when you're being told you need to you know, tr- tr- blaze a trail as a black woman and do the thing and be all things and do all things and have 10 kids and marry the perfect guy and blah, blah, blah. And it's all this stuff you're telling women that they have to do. And with as black women, there's also the barrier of being black, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and not having access or not pe- have people not having the confidence in you because of stereotypes and oppression and systemic racism so it's that thing where you're like well you know you're so you're all of these things so you should be doing this and then actually getting to that you know it really is like you have to sell your soul and forget a part of yourself to get to this pinnacle of what the collector is presenting and you know it's all lies right it's yeah, all lies, exactly. but they want you to believe that you can be, you too can be this fabulous and come join the devil or whatever. I mean, they're positing in that way, but it just really, and then Cordelia, you know, you need love and whatever. It's like this horrible, abusive relationship that we have with patriarchal society. They'll tell mm-hmm. you, yeah, you can be fabulous. You just got to do this thing for us. And I was like, but what about me? <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. You nailed it on the head. That's exactly. (laughs) 
that's exactly the rabbit hole and the the analysis of this that just that is just perfection for sure that's what, exactly what he represents especially because he kept har he kept harping on her looks and especially when he knew Geraldine was a real threat he really went in on that for sure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he really went in on the like even the more outwardly um boasting of patriarchy and misogyny with the with i don't know with the with the 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 fire dick yes i was just thinking of the fire dick (laughs) (laughs) yep a hundred percent yeah so yeah it's like when he's when he's not getting his way let me bully and intimidate with physical violence and threat threat threaten physical violence for sure Mm mm-hmm so it yeah, it's very much all of that. And Billy Zane is that kind of actor that really plays that well. I hope that's not a reflection of who he really is. But he I've seen him do that in more than one movie. It's insane. He well, he's usually the guy that gets those roles. Yeah, it's so funny. Maybe he enjoys doing them. I don't know. He's had I mean, this is I don't want to get in the guy's business or anything, but he's dated a lot of models, so I don't know. Oh you know boy. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I yeah. mean, I still, I don't know. I still love him. Every, you know, nobody's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I still love him too until proven otherwise. Like hearing about yes. Michael Fassbender was really disappointing. And I was like, but that, though. No. <laughs> let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. This is not that kind of podcast. But, um, anywho. So, um, so more, I mean, the story. So, I mean, not to backtrack, but basically, yeah, we, you know, the opening, I mean, really, it has kind of like, so this is a Tales from the Crypt movie, so it has that kind of like um, opening with, it has that kind of cold opening or false open with mm-hmm. um, the Crypt Keeper actually on the set directing an episode, or I'm, we're assuming, of Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. With John Larroquette playing a dead husband come back to life, which I think thought was hilarious. John Larroquette yeah. is such a good sport. He, uh, he, almost is down for anything i think he's even going to be in the night court reboot so oh cool yeah i've always loved him as an actor um unfortunately he's one of the few guys still left alive besides um i forget the guy who played bull shannon i forget his name oh yeah yeah everyone is kind of like you know rest in peace marky uh marky post she just passed away yeah um yeah she was sick so yeah i mean i think marcia warfield is still alive she's still she's still kicking around though too but yeah i mean I thought that was a funny cold open. Um, of course, you get your boobs. Um, yes, because it's still a, it's still a cheesy, schlocky kind of movie. Not exploitative, but like still, there's boobs in the in the movie too. Where Uncle Willie, Uncle Willie, that was such an easy seduction. Yeah, <laughs> get on that. It's just boobs everywhere. Just a lot of boobs. Yeah, like uh, Uncle Willie just wanted boobs and booze. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, you can't blame him. Guy wants what a guy wants. <laughs> Yeah, um, Uncle you know. Billy was a very sim- was a very simple character, but still mm. like kind of a lovable town drunk too because he's yeah. still he's still about looking out for people because it because you know Breaker comes into town he's a stranger no no one knows him so and no one knows the stakes either quite yet right um, so he still he he was still the kind of guy who was looking out for people didn't want anyone mm. to die um, as just a suspect as breaker as everyone else and when he and when it seemed like you know he was up to no good yeah let me ride him out to the cops because i don't know what this guy is mm-hmm. so um but yeah i mean so the crypt keeper um opened it up and 
Yeah, like like we just said, like everyone was kind of introduced at the motel. Yeah, I believe it was motel because Roach says uh, uh, evening motel people, I believe. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's the story. And then, like, basically, how does it get started? Um, With that car yeah, chase. Yeah, the car chase and then the cops and then... Uh, they take the collector to the hotel, right? I think. That's, yeah, mm-hmm. After Breaker gets there and stuff, and he's yeah. eating. What is he? What is he eating? They they were saying it's mushroom soup, and then he put ketchup in it or something. It's so gross. <laughs> so gross. <laughs> yeah, because Willie was. I think he called it roadkill or something. It just looked. It didn't look. I mean, why would you feed that to someone? This is really is a motel because you you can't even get like five star service on food like. <laughs> it's New Mexico. I've been to New Mexico. I know they got some. They, they can burn down there. I'm sure. Like, where <laughs> was your? Just, just open up a grill for the love of God and like cook some stuff. Like, it, <laughs> I'm just. I'm really. Every time I watch this, I'm just like. I just. I'm like. Ew. I can't. Like you got breaker. You have to be super hungry. And I'm. A, and I'm not a picky eater, but I have a bougie palate. So, <laughs> nah. I'm good. I'll. I'll chomp on this uh granola bar but anyway so yeah i mean so breaker was there prior so the whole crescendo is and i thought it was a good again you're right this movie does is has it has a lot of fun because you know once they once they run they run the license plates and they realize that you know who these people are like up to no good you know some illegal stuff possibly and then that's when we really see Billy Zane kind of pop out and shine and like the whole, yeah. I mean, it's always, it's always fun watching. I like what, like I had my um, students watch Demon Knight last year for um, a class I, I taught. Um, so watching their reactions, to, especially when, you know, you, all, you get that beat where Billy Zane goes, well, the collector goes, why wait? And then you just see him punch. Yes. <laughs> You see him punch the deputy, literally his, punch his head off. And like, yeah, it was fun seeing student reactions to that because <laughs> they were not expecting that. So, yeah, this is where they get started. And then he brings back the demons and then the blood seal has to come. Um, then we see, the, I, I, I really love the concept of the blood seal. I just think this, yeah, I, even the mythos of this is really fantastic. I love the blood seal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so good. It's so fun. And I mean, they, you know, they remind us that it's a Tales from the Crypt movie, too. And that with that silliness coming in, they have to remind mm-hmm. us, you know, like when the sheriff is watching um, Roach and Cordelia and he's like, oh, he's getting like a, will he say something like a battery check and a lube job or something? Shut up, Bob. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just funny and it's just silly. And Billy Zane has the best lines and. Yeah, it's fun. And he just delivers it so well. Like he's so dry and sarcastic. And, and, and I think, you know, it's listening to um, the commentary and everybody's just said how much fun they had on set. They said it was hot. It, no, you know, they didn't have a lot of money, but everybody just had a ton of fun on set and everybody was a good sport. And I love hearing that because so many things going on in the behind the scenes with films and you know 90% of the time something is going on where people aren't happy or people are being harassed or 
but it just sounded like it was just a team effort. Everybody was there. They had fun. And a lot of it, I think, has to do with the director and the producers because um, uh, yes. Ernest, Ernest was saying that the producers kind of just left him alone, right? So that's huge. And I think because usually producers are like, well, I want this and we want that. What are you spending? And blah, 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 you know? So... Yeah, which I think is sometimes really ideal for certain situations. So that's really great to hear, mm-hmm. um, especially in light of like just situations just happening um, that are just ending up in tragedy on film sets. And yes. Just yeah. even with the other stuff with um, just, you know, the the fact that, you know, unionizing and just how just other other crew members are how they're treated. I was talking to about about auteur theory and like that kind of stuff and just getting his take on it and. And the idea of like, you know, canonizing or putting these directors on pedestals when it takes a whole lot of people to make a movie, mm-hmm. it takes a whole lot of people. And if one of those people do- doesn't happen to be there, then it doesn't make, then the movie kind of falls apart. It doesn't really, we, we everyone needs, it's a, col- it's very much a collaborative and collective effort. And that should be emphasized so much in everything. And it's one of the things I'm going to even do when I in my class in, in the spring, um, as far as getting students to really like, you know, watch the credits, look at the IMDB page at these um, at all of the people who worked on this film. It's very, very important. Mm-hmm. Um, get to know these names even. And that's what we're going to start. That's a good, I'm so glad um, I had the cognate the cognizant effort of just like okay I'm, i need to implement this into the syllabus i think it's very important um so all that is fantastic to hear about this set because it did because it really kind of comes out on screen with with just the performances with the seriousness of it and the goofiness yeah and it it just you could just tell the vibe of it the movie is just it's just fun and i think even though we dug deep and we could find like you know analysis and meaning within the characters ultimately it's just a fun i love the demons um just the way that they had created those stilts for them to walk i mean even though it was difficult looking i would have fallen right on my ass with those with those stilts but like you know the animatronics like everything was practical the birth of the demons they they ran that film backwards you know like the Mm -hmm. melty gooey bits like the right you know those um the glow in the dark sticks they use the glow stick liquid to to create the the blood and like it's just so cool because i mean i used to do makeup and i love practical effects and and like what you were saying um being on a set and seeing all the all the working parts behind the scenes it's insane like from the production assistants to you know i know um one of our bits team members he's um He's he does security for film sets like every single person takes up space and is important on a film set. Mm-hmm. So, oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. So it's true when you, you know, leaving during the credits during a film like, yeah, I understand if you have to catch a train or something. But it's like all those people, the video effects artists, the the wardrobe. I know also people I used to work with at the makeup counter who are now doing wardrobe for film and. And one of them is actually quite a champion in, in basically standing up for people's rights because there's a lot of bullying going on behind the scenes. A lot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just all of that, all of what you said. And I think that's amazing that you have, you're teaching your students to kind of look beyond the director 
or the actors or whatever. There's a lot of people holding it together. Like I even know working on a dinky indie short film, the actors, they had a bit more experience than I think everybody on set. And the, a lot of the actors stuck to me because makeup artists are like, I'm in charge of how they look. So they were always yeah. like making sure like I was at a, you know, she's there's this over there. They're making sure they knew where I was. And I, um, you know, took that role seriously. Like you have to keep your eyes on because there's nothing more distracting. This is a tangent, but nothing more distract, just acting. than there's a scene going and there's a hair out of place or there's something that could have been taken care of. Maybe it's just mm -hmm. me because I look for these things, but you're like, yeah. there's a hair I, I just want they could just could have just moved the hair before they started to see you know so <laughs> I don't know it's probably just me but yeah anyway that's a tangent no it's it's definitely not just you I've heard this before I'm sure there are so many um artists who are listening to you screaming yes yes <laughs> all of that for sure um but yeah you're absolutely right I also heard someone else talk about how like they really like you know of course you should be nice to everyone but there's a particular, a special, like, no, you really need to get cool with the makeup and the makeup artists and the hairdressers because, again, they're responsible for the way you look. And their labor is just as important as, and intensive as everyone else, as everyone else's. So you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. It, these are things that I've heard before. These are things that I have so valued and I was so grateful for the people who've done my makeup before. I was so like, I mean, so humble and grateful to them. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, this is all Todd Masters and his company and his, the, the crew that he worked with. Um, a few women were a, a part of that team. Uh, Lauren Cavanaugh, um, Donna Lou Henderson, there was a woman by the name of Daphne Lawson. So yeah, I mean, so he, he it seemed like, I, I also Denise Dillon as well is another name. It seemed like he was um, really on point trying to like, you know, make his team, you know, balance that out a little bit too. Mm -hmm. So respect for that. Yeah. I got to talk about the cat. <laughs> oh yeah, Cleo. Cleo, she is so pretty. <laughs> I love her so much and she was a good girl and she also showed them you know when she kept kind of taking off but she showed them that that tunnel she was the one that showed them the tunnel and um also I I was to the the commentary and they're like oh the cat didn't make it but I'm like the cat did make it because I yeah, think the cat end, totally made it yeah she had the cat carrier and she's getting on the bus and I'm like right on Cleo <laughs> and also the cat was black and I really like that because there's a stigma against black cats because you know superstition and they don't photograph well and blah 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 but I'm glad that Cleo she made it through and I love the scene where Cleo jumps into Jerry Line's arms and um, Breaker puts the key on the cat's head just to see if the cat's been possessed by a demon. And this is a thing that cat people will notice. The cat was like, oh, yeah, are you going to pat me? She was like rubbing against the key. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's so cute. I love her. And I'm glad she survived because cats are awesome. Well, anyway, they're kind of awesome. But well, they are. They're <laughs> awesome. They're awesome. They just have their own personalities. The end. I liked it had like it, it was I probably this is probably a stretch but it's kind of like a callback to like Jonesy and Alien and how yes. like uh, Ripley wasn't leaving that cat either like no I'm taking my cat it's my yeah. cat it's my pet 
so cute. And the cat was so mm -hmm. cute. I just wanted to cuddle her. I just, every time I see a cat on TV, I just want to squeeze the shit out of them. The end. <laughs> yeah, I, I just like that. It's just, it's that small dimension too. Just like, oh yeah, like Geraldine's a pet owner too. Like this is, this is a cat. Like mm -hmm. I, I love that. I love just, just this, this teeny, those teeny tiny layers. If you think about it, just add it on. Mm -hmm. um, and she wasn't leaving so her cat like behind. Her... She was not leaving no, that cat behind. Leave, no. Okay? The cat, the cat survived too. The the black on black survived. Yes. Black cat, black woman. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, we uh, we this is a this is a, not just a love fest. We are, of course, bringing some real insight, of course, into this. But that's because the movie's so good. Um, one of the things that I really liked about um this film as well, I th I thought the death scene was of the collector was even really super clever too. Like <clears throat> she uses that one moment where he's not paying attention. Cause uh, first of all, let's go back. Mm -hmm. Like when break, when breaker gets fatally wounded by a little boy who gets possessed. So the little boys, um, you know, introduce now he's introduced um, earlier, but like we see him, the interaction we have with Geraldine when he's in, when he's in those tunnels, cause you know, his parents got possessed. Mm -hmm. But then he gets possessed through the comic book that he was reading um, and then fatally wounds Breaker. And then, you know, Breaker um, eventually dies and they do the whole ritual where he passes on the night ship to her in a way, which is, again, a really just the visual effects, like we've mentioned before, are really, really cool and good. Even the flashback scenes are done very well. Mm -hmm. It's again, it's probably a nod to even uh, Dickerson as a DP and also whoever else was the DP on this, if I can find that person real quick. Yeah. By Rick Bada or Boda, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that they were just amazing. And then even so the, his blood seals are no longer valid because he's dead. And she does that cool thing. Cause he, like the collector knows she's the only one left, but she does this like dope, like pours the blood on her entire body so she can basically be like this invincible shield mm -hmm. just, even just for a minute like who like who thought it like i wouldn't have thought of that right i would not have thought of that and i think it's really cool as a final girl that she thinks that she's like that resource like you know a, a component of being a final girl is being resourceful kind of thinking on your feet mm -hmm. and she did that in a really cool way now i will say the kind of again the kind of like the the uh the titillation part of this is like jada pinkett her teeny body like because she's like because jada is really all hips and butt like we 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 we're both part of the itty bitty titty committee right so like <laughs> she's got she's in she, again it's another alien nod where she's like in underwear and like this yes. skimpy like tank top to cut off like oh my god the alien callbacks oh my goodness so and she and, it's, and they're both white but then like she um she's in like she's all in blood so the, the collector can't even touch her of course until like he does the whole shower thing and that cheesy and that cheesy but funny kind of shower moment where he like rinses her off how he was able to get all the blood off of her is beyond me but like, that's all movie magic <laughs> but then again like the scene of like where she like again where he immediately he's not clearly he's not paying attention and you see the close-up of her and like she like drink some like not drink some of the blood but she takes some of it in her mouth and she's holding on to it so mm -hmm. again i thought there was another kind of clever kind of like quick quick and resourceful on her feet kind of like move 
the moves she made were like the moves she made were brilliant in this film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where she's like let me hold on to this because i'm gonna make get the perfect opportunity to make sure i could this gets on him so i'm sorry i don't know how you feel like i just oh my goodness i love it i love everything about this movie well yeah everything like they're so smart like it's just it's just the smarts and you notice like everybody wants to do rash things like roach wants to do all these rash you know mm-hmm. things and like he wants to give the key to the collector and he you know he's just thinking about himself but you know like irene and jerry line they're always thinking they're thinking thinking like what can i do and i think that's why um breaker is like you know this is the girl this is the person that i pass the uh, torch on to you know so yeah. it's because she's smart and she'll figure it out and unfortunately you know, again, as you were saying, you don't want it to be like a burden on her, but also it's her nature to just figure it out. So yeah, it's again, it's real complicated. It's real, but it's also it's also so cool that she does get to be like Dickerson said in Hard Noir, the sister that saves the world. Mm-hmm. There's still something really dynamic about that, and I think that's maybe because maybe because she is a real person in this movie. She feels like a real person. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. That's why that's that. That's why this this movie needs a sequel because maybe there haven't been any black women demonites pretty much as we we could probably gander. Mm-hmm. But maybe she's again. Now that I think about it more broadly, like maybe she's the demonite that changes those dynamics of black women. And you know what I mean? Maybe it becomes a legion. Maybe there's a maybe there's something to the mythos that she breaks or that she finds or that she discovers. Mm-hmm. in that sequel that never happened i don't know maybe to an extent it's our responsibility as black women to to live our experience but to also live our experience in a way that makes others realize that it shouldn't be all on us yeah you know what i'm saying maybe that that's a part of it i'm trying to like i'm trying to like really unravel all of this because i i, I like i like we had said just not too long ago there's so much more to this and there's so many things that are true about this character and about her position in that last in that in that third act that weighs on us but also could be something much more and could be also positive and grander oh yeah all of that (laughs) all of that like yeah yeah it just when you when you dig into this film you just keep digging and digging and ah yeah i just you could think about it for for days just like the the depth of of her character and i love that that breaker sees that in her i think that's my one of my favorite things is that she's a thief too and she's not perfect and as you're saying she's real she's just like a real person and you know and and she's also adorable like i think she's like the perfect quote unquote final girl where she's mm-hmm. adorable and has the wherewithal to to you know she's street smart she's street smart and she she you just know that she's gonna get it done somehow absolutely and also save her cat <laughs> yeah, yeah i knew you were gonna bring me i had to i had to <laughs> pregnant pause and save her cat <laughs> yeah because it's like yeah because it's all um <clears throat> He, he gets the key temporarily. And again, that's the, er- ooh, yes. That's the arrogance of patriarchy too. Because when he finally gets that key, when he takes that, when he empties the blood out of that key, what does he do? He celebrates, he boasts, 
Mm-hmm. He not paying attention to what not paying attention to Geraldine's gangster, her G. Mm-hmm. And he's dancing with her, and he's making these like false, uh, you know, proposals to her to bring her to the other side, and all these kinds of all those things. Saying still saying she's really pretty, all that BS, all that mm-hmm. male machismo. Even the fire dick, all of that, and even the violence that he bestows upon her. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as he, you know, thinks he's got he's got her locked in, she does. I, I also, I think the spitting is symbolic, too, in a way, too. Mm-hmm. She, 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 spit, she spits that blood on him and takes him out. Yeah. And you get to see the real demon, which I think was terrifying to me. It still is. Even as a kid, it was real terrifying. But even so, as an adult, I'm like, geez, that is chilling. Yeah. But yeah, the spitting though—that spitting is something. It's interesting to me. I don't like spitting in movies, and I don't like drooling. And please, like the snotty nose, I can't do it. I can't. I have to turn away. <laughs> turn away like from VHS too. Oh god, I just turn it away. Turn. I can't. I don't know what it is. Fun fact about Carolyn: she does not like snotty noses, drooling, or like foaming at the the fake foam. I can't do it. Can't do it. I can't do it. Like, I'm happy to wipe a child's nose. It's weird. I will clean a litter, litter box, wipe a child's nose. Totally have no problem with that. On screen, grosses me out. I can't see it. I don't know. <laughs> well, go figure. It grosses me out in real life more. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, I think the spitting is something. I'm, I'm, that's, I know, um, if you're listening, Leah Anderson, I know you probably have an interpretation of this. I would love to hear, especially of this of this of reference to her spitting. A shout out to Leah Anderson. She is a oh my god, she is the writer. She's the writer I want in my classroom. She's a fantastic uh-huh. writer. She writes for she writes um columns for Fangoria. She does some other great stuff. She is fabulous. Look her up. It's L E A Anderson. Um She's brilliant. This oh my God. Um mm-hmm. the spitting to me is is i always found that fascinating because like i because yeah because spitting there's there's i know there's it's, it's in a very offensive act and i think different cultures have a varying ways of seeing how that how it's such a despicable thing to do to someone mm-hmm. well and, you know i you just thought i just you just made me think of something like um i can't remember what culture it is but if someone says something they go oh tui i spit you know like it's like I feel like it's actually expelling, um, I don't know, I'd have to look this up, but is it not like some sort of expelling of a demon kind of thing, like, or oh, bad bad vibes? Maybe, or, maybe we need to look up for that, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to look that up, but like expelling of that bad vibes, like, Tui, I spit on you, or like, it's like um, a condemning, like you're condemning someone. Uh, that's just mm-hmm. off the top of my head, but I know, I can't remember what culture it is, Um but they often like make light of it in films and stuff, but it is, it's just a cultural thing behind it. So yeah, maybe I'll mm-hmm. look up an article or something. <laughs> See. Yeah. Maybe that's exactly, we definitely will. Maybe that's exactly what it is to, to um, an extent. Again, also it's just a real clever move on her part. I've, we've mm-hmm. never, we have, I, I think in the history of horror, we've literally never seen the big bad, the villain be defeated by spitting. I think that's. I don't think that's ever happened, <laughs> which I find really interesting. Now that I think about it, I'm just like, wow, that was also another really creative way to kill someone or to mm-hmm. defeat something. Mm-hmm. So, wow, yeah, 
this is yeah this movie is doing even even as i talk about it it's even unraveling so much more and i really appreciate it for everything that it does obviously so you know it just made me think too like just the spitting of the blood it's like you know is that like her period like she's just kind of confirming her Mm -hmm. femaleness like she's like tui i'm a woman tui I, you know, bleh, get away from me. And this is like girl power, woman power. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, perhaps. Yeah, there's always there's always something with the blood in um in horror films that we could like pretty much um dissect for sure. Yeah, because if if you think about it, I could totally see what you're saying because we've been bitching about patriarchy um throughout this whole film or uh, this whole time us uh, speaking. And yeah, maybe there's there's something to that. Because especially after his most kind of like um, his most demonstrative examples of like, you know, toxic masculinity and Mm -hmm. patriarchy. And then she spits blood back at him like how we how we as um, how as when people who are born biologically female and if they if they identify as that they have they continue to have periods throughout their lives until menopause. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we expel blood. more or less once a month every every woman's body is different surely mm-hmm. but yeah that's just a part of that's a part of our existence yeah and like she's like yeah i'm a girl tui and well he yeah. shot his he shot the laser penis at her so it's only fair mm-hmm. <laughs> it's only fair i mean yeah this movie is really melanated man for so many different reasons even as it has such a uh has a pretty eclectic uh, cast of people from different backgrounds and also of course still shout out to Gary Farmer because I would love to see more indigenous people just doing stuff like this for sure mm-hmm. and not making um, a big deal about like he's indigenous he's like you know and in, he's in a role of authority as well which is kind of cool you know and like it's just cool yeah he's a professional actor he this is a mm-hmm. job for him and it should mm-hmm. be this should be a job for like every, all indigenous people they should be able to tell their stories and be deputy bob too yeah it should be both exactly <laughs> um yeah man i this is a high this is the pinnacle of recommendations as far as horror films especially for halloween season of course like i have my own traditions like i save all i save the halloween franchise for october only i do i do not watch them at any other time of the month mm-hmm. but like it's especially if you're a novice especially I, you this is an accessible film to like even like normies as far as like halloween movies because it does have a fun quality to it and if you're christian my goodness you're really gonna love it you know because um, <laughs> it really fits into that dichotomy of um of christianity in a lot of different ways and also if maybe if you have a nostalgic feeling or if you remember tales from the crypt like this is this is a really great film i mean if you're a little squeamish about boobs you know <laughs> for be forewarned but that's about it <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's boobs here and there but you know um this movie is so incredible for like again I, I this is why i love horror man it could people it could be a film that people could think of just oh it's just a simple silly fun entertainment but it is saying so much more it's almost revolutionary Yep, agreed all of that uh, everything you said <laughs> you know and it's really cool how to see like the script it's written by three people uh, is realized by Ernest Dickerson and how brilliant he is at his direction. So yeah, I love this movie. Great pick, Ashley. Absolutely. 
Great pick. Thank you. Yeah. That's, this is our Halloween episode. Uh, we got to remember next year you have to pick the Halloween episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, yeah, um, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. Hopefully, well, no, I hope, no, I really hope that everyone listening has seen it because I don't want to spoil this for anyone. But hopefully we gave you enough context. If you were looking for the right words to say about Demonite, I hope this was a good resource to push this on people really push it on people so carolyn are you on social media at all where you yes. want people to find you uh you can find me at vfd pixie on twitter and ashley what about you oh it's twitter all day every day it's ashley takes note excellent well thanks again for uh bringing this film for our halloween episode i thoroughly enjoyed watching i watch it all the time i thoroughly enjoy it every time yeah. i watch it so yeah like Geraldine to me is Sanaa to you. Oh, an alien versus. Yep. Mm -hmm. that, I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love that. So happy Halloween, everybody. Have a safe one. Yay. Happy Halloween. Bye. Bye.